Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of SaaS Marketing Makeover. Today, I'm joined by Billy Kripe uh, from SIBO, VP of Marketing. Welcome to the show, Billy. Hey, thanks so much. I'm super excited to be here today. Oh, man, we're excited to have you. You got the full setup. This is going to be good. We had some fun talking offline. Who do you hope it is? What industry do you want? You know, I was I was thinking I was thinking about that, and I think it would be uh, you know I think it would be super fun to do kind of an underserved industry. I don't know you know what that was, but maybe something that's old and and stodgy. Um, give them a re- you know a chance to really break out. But uh, you know, but but who knows, right? That's I really don't know. I mean, that's that's the exciting so- part of this is that we don't know what it's going to be. Oh my gosh, I know. Everybody tries to like get it from us or from my producers. I'm like, I really like, I don't tell anyone. I don't even know. Right. So, are you ready? Let's spin the wheel. Let's yeah, see what this thing comes with. Well, I didn't get underserved. Let's see. Carta. All right. Have you heard of them before, Billy? Yes, I have. Let's see. All right. I'm going to share my screen. All right. We can operate off this thing. So, can you see my screen here? I sure can. So, Carta, Equity Management Solutions, Cap Table Management and Valuation Software. I guess that kind of is what you were saying. Uh, Oh, they got me. One sec. They got a Carta. Okay. So, this is kind of an old school industry getting a refresh, right? To a certain extent. It it is. Yeah. It's it's absolutely doing that. And, um, you know, certainly very uh you know very germane in you know this time of uh of um you know startups and uh folks being uh, funded by pe and vc firms and trying to uh you know go public or get acquired have some sort of a great exit a hundred percent so you can they target let's say it looks like they have three personas right private companies lawyers investors off the top of your head, who do you think, if you had to choose one of these personas, who do you think you'd go after and why? Well, uh, let's see. Probably, probably private private companies, um, especially in the in the startup space, which is something that I'm I'm familiar with. Um, you know, the the private companies who need this sort of service would be part of that that target addressable market. I think. Um, are typically doing this, you know, on the, on the back of a napkin or in Google docs. And, um, you know, then they're going to want something that's going to look great and be easy to digest and understand for those investors, for the, for the banks and stuff. So I think the other two might be audiences or customers or users on behalf of the first one. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question, Billy, because I think it's like this chicken or the egg scenario, right? Like, do you yeah. go after the investors who, when they invest in a company like a startup, they bring them this type of technology, or do you go after the founders and then have them bring that technology to the investors? It right. is a kind of yeah. That's a that's a that's a really that's a really good uh, that's a really good point. But I think what I what I like about this is that. Carter's identified kind of the three core constituencies here. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I think that's important. They've, it, it, you know, just kind of at, at first blush. Now I've never used their, I've never used their, yeah. uh, their software. Um, but I think at first blush, they've, they've hit the, the target addressable market here in those kind of three core personas. 
No, I love what you're saying. I think I would probably go the investor route just to, only from like a LTV standpoint because I think I could have a higher lifetime value because of the average order value mm. from someone who could sell into multiple partners, which would let me be more aggressive on my advertising. But I'd have to test it. And I think the nice part is it's really hard to identify. Um, not all founders are created equal. And it's hard using an ad platform, let's say like LinkedIn, to delineate between who a good founder is and or a bad founder is in the sense of technological adaptability compared to I could go after private equity groups with certain firmographics, let's say X amount of partners, X amount of headcount. And that would create like statistical significance around their usability of my platform. But, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Especially when you think about, you know, thinking about that, that LinkedIn persona, right? Anybody can say, yeah, I'm a founder, um, you know, or I've got my own little private company that, that might create, that could create some dilution without some further qualification. Well, and we always want employees as our primary criteria in firmographic advertising because privately held companies, we can't trust their revenue data. So we often go right. off of headcount, but then people with headcount don't need us because they need us before they have the headcount. Sure, so I think sure. we would run into, I don't know. It's just in my, like, I'm like running this through my brain right here for a second. I'm like, Ooh. right. But we could do like, you could do a couple. What I like to sometimes do instead of doing one or the other is say like, what if we did content for private companies and ads for investors, if that makes sense. So we maybe have multiple ways of acquiring our best persona because right. Founders are always doing that research, how to set up cap table, how to do equity, and we get them through that like how-to moment, and yeah, then we get the investors. Yeah, yeah, and that and that will help them self-select into that, um, you know, into that that buyer's journey or that prospect journey, which is going to be so important. Rather than going out and spending a bunch of money on anybody with the word, you know, founder or co-founder in their title somewhere, and that that's just going to get you a bunch of uh, stuff that's probably not going to be a good fit. No, yeah, I, I like that thought like process. That. Now you do get started and get, instead of request a demo, what's your thought on request a demo as like a primary call to action kind of like this? What do you think it works, not work? Like what's your experience there? Yeah. You know what? I, it, it's, it's six, one, half a dozen of another. Um, to me, I also like talk to an expert. Um, those are kind of the, the three that I've used and I really haven't seen one in my experience. That's like, this one is horrible or this one is, is so you know amazing and it always works. It's kind of never one or the other. For a, a SaaS technology like this, where you want a walkthrough, if somebody's at that stage where they're like, I look, I know what I need and I want to see if they've, you know, if they've got the features that I that I want, then request a demo is going to be okay. I would rather than request a demo, like set up an appointment and book a meeting. What I'd rather see is Hey, give me a a walkthrough demo that I can click through on my you know on my own. Yeah, um, I'm right there with you because I would like I think, that, you know kind of self paced piece. Well, you do a good job of that here, right? Where you let this product led growth and the product sell itself. I call this the magic moment, right? You create a magic moment where your ideal customer goes aha, and they get it. I yep. think I'd like to see Carta get me into that and just show me like Acme Incorporated using Carta right here, just like see it in action or something. And then let right. me just go right into that. And then let me like sell myself. I can build really strong retargeting lists off of people who've seen the product. And, and that's start, super, yeah. super important, right? That ability to sell yourself, right? I think that's probably what they're trying to do with take a video tour. That's what I would, that's what I would expect there. 
But whenever, and, and I love videos, like videos I think yeah. are, are terrific, especially when they're short, sweet, and to the point. Yep. The challenge with videos is that you've got to anticipate kind of what the what the customer or what the prospect wants to see. So if I'm an investor and I want to see, can Carta manage my entire portfolio of of cap tables across all of my in uh, across all of my VC for the firms that I'm backing at the different stages? Well, is that going to be you know ten seconds in the video you know of a of a three minute video? Is it going to be you know not included in the video at all? I've got to watch the whole video to find out, or I've got to yeah. book a demo. And so well, either way, that question's not answered for me. Right here, right, Billy? We got all this wasted space. Let's tell me about what I'm going to get in the video so that I do fill out the form on the right. I bet you they have a massive drop off right here because they don't sell the video enough right here on the left. That's a, that's a, that's a good, that's a really good, uh, that's a really good point, right? I mean, I, I like, you know, I like some negative space. It keeps, it keeps pages clean. People don't want to read a whole heck of a lot. But at the same time, you've got to balance it. And so set my expectations, manage my expectations as an investor, or maybe give me some different pathways. If, you know, if I'm a, a lawyer, well, it's not just any lawyer. If I'm a, you know, if I'm a corporate lawyer, if I'm a, a banking lawyer, if I'm, you know, a, a, a startup lawyer, um, you know, dealing with, you know, SEC filings and, uh, you know, venture exchange filings and things like that. Give me something there. Um, give me yep. something for the private company. So yeah, set those expectations. I like, I think. I like where you're at. I just want to show like how you can do a better job with your copy to remove what I call psychological friction, right? So mm. enter your information to watch the tour, no commitment required, watch three minute video. So just making these tiny little changes will have a very large impact on people actually taking this leap. Totally um, agree. I have an idea. And this is something I see all the time. If I'm Carta, I need to take a deep breath and reorg my information architecture because this looks like to me a company that started probably with like this much stuff right here. Yep. And then they just adding. Yep. And they expanded the product. But now I can't tell of these three product lines what content is for what? Is it customer stories from an investor product or a founder product? Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like it's right. very disconnected from their product marketing at first glance. And, and this is such a, a classic um, growth, you know, SaaS growth challenge where the the product and, and the company has got some, some growth. They've got some customers. They've got some experience under the belt. They've got some great features, advantages, and benefits. And they want to they share that. That's all great. But they end up forgetting that it's not about them right? It's about customers don't care about Carta. Customers care about what Carta is going to do for them, how it's going to make their lives easier as an investor, as a lawyer, as a private company. So put it in there. I'm not going to come in here and be like, I want customer stories. I want, you know, investor stories. I want to see how Carta, you know, help me prioritize my, my investment portfolio based on, you know, cap table management and ease of use, how it made my life so much easier. I completely agree with you. And I think they do see so like, I would do a couple things like see how we have these guys here. Uh-huh. I'm going to bring them up here. Let's, let's bring them up. Let's, these are, these are yeah. good names, right? Like these are yeah, the, the folks who are going to be their, you know, that's their, their, the, those are their proof points, social proofs. And, and you've got some really recognizable names on here. 
Um, yeah, these are a lot of our, like some of these are our clients. So it's cool right. to see they've done a good job with having good, like good companies. I think the other thing here is I, I think they might need a pricing. So notice how they have plans and pricing hidden here. And then it, you can't, it's not easy to tell that this is investor pricing versus private company pricing. Right. Maybe pull that out. As a, yeah, that's as what a, I'm thinking. Little pricing menu. Yeah. Yep, exactly. 100%. Now, I mean, I like the fact that they've got the, the different pricing options. That's that's great. Um, I like that they've got, you know, images and little snippets that allow me to kind of go deeper if if I want. Um, but I think... I think I, I agree with you that the the site architecture has maybe gotten away from them a little bit. Um, and it might, I mean, how awesome of a problem is it to have that you've got so much good information that now you need to take a step back, take a breather and reorganize it. That's much, that's a much better problem to have than being like, well, we don't have anything to say. Um, I love that problem. Are you kidding me? The, yeah, my question, exactly. This problem is the one I can solve. The one I can't solve is convincing them to allocate enough capital and resources around content to actually pull off their objective. It sounds like they have that. We just got to maybe re-architect it a little bit. And guess what? When when they do that, I my experience says that they are going to see a much better web engagement rate, demand generation from that web rate. And that translates into uh, more rapidly qualified leads, more rapidly qualified demand, which then can be passed over to sales, which creates new sales opportunities, which is how marketers at the end of the day get paid, right? Nobody gets yep. paid in leads. We get paid in dollars. Dollars typically come from the sales folks. So if we can accelerate that kind of runway to revenue, that lead cycle, that's terrific. And I think, you know, re-architecting the website will help do that. And you'll be able, they'll be able to measure it. I completely agree, Billy. And what they've done is, I call this jobs to be done, right? They've done an exceptional job with their content strategy around jobs to be done. But like, I want to be able to click on your burn rate calculator in one click. Like, I think they have some pretty amazing stuff. And what I think I would recommend if I were them is I would take a play out of Workday. Because Workday has a similar... Mm platform let's say where see how they organize things and then they also go to solutions so what i would do is i would create a solution section to the menu and then i would do the solutions by role and then i would focus yeah. into the jobs to be done essentially the solutions they provide to founders and make them one click away the solutions they provide to investors and the solutions they provide to lawyers and i i can't tell if lawyers is an afterthought because you don't find lawyers anywhere else other than here which is kind of unique. If you go to product rights, private investor, public, I, I don't see a ton around lawyers. So once again, I think they've added so much and they're so aggressive yeah, and they're doing yeah. so well. Well, and what they probably awesome. found is that lawyers are, uh, there's probably a lot of uh, people with, a, with a, a lawyer title or an Esquire after their name who are users of the product. Because when you get into cap table management, when you get into employee, you know, stock purchase plan things, now you've got, you've got that legal oversight that's typically required. So that's probably an important user base, but they haven't really kind of fleshed out maybe how to go to market to them. Maybe it's not even a really good target market from a prospecting lead demand generation standpoint. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. more about a customer success or an onboarding piece, in which case don't dilute the rest of your, um, you know, the rest of your, your top level 
you know, website there, uh, your, your web experience. No, you I'm know, right with you. Garrett, one thing, the, one thing yeah. you said about the calculators that I thought was really, really insightful. Um, because those are points of engagement for, yep. for the users. And if you've got somebody downloading a calculator or, you know, using it, playing with it, whatever, those are really, really strong buying intents or intent signals that marketers need to glom onto. Boy, bring that stuff out to the, to the forefront, be marketing yeah. that on, you know, on all of the social channels, give people yeah. a chance to get in there and get value, you know, right away. People love calculators. Even if it's even if it's just to to play with, right? Not making necessarily a business decision, but just to to try it out. We do the same thing at at SIBO, um, yeah. and with with our software, and it is hands down the most used uh, feature of of our stuff. Is you know looking at okay, what's the valuation? What's the carbon calculator? What are the yield prediction calculators for you know in, in our space? Calculators, anything that drives user engagement, super awesome. And and I think there's an opportunity there to, to highlight those capabilities. I'm right there with you. And I think the thing that I would do if I were them is I would set up for each calculator. I think we as marketers are phenomenal at building things and forgetting to tell anyone about it. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I, I would like them to put like a $20,000 budget. If you're going to build a badass tool or calculator or template or something, I want you to put $20,000 around promoting it and then work hand in hand with the inbound SDR team and have them call every single one and see if you can add that into your essentially go-to-market strategy. But sometimes we just build these tools and templates and we hope they somehow get magically discovered by the Google gods. Instead of just saying, we know our persona, we know exactly who we built this tool for. Let's go tell that person about the tool and then let's see if our inbound SDR team can call them and if there's any intent, because if there is, we now have a much lower cost per lead we can be driving because totally. of the engagement you get from pitching free tools compared to demos. Exactly. Google, the, the Google SEO robots are not a proxy for your inbound SDR team. I mean, they, we, and, and you're a hundred percent right. I'm just as guilty as anybody else of doing Same. this. Guilty as charged. Oh, guilty. totally. You know? And so, you know, you know, it's, 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 we're, we're, you know, we, we know it because we've been, uh, we've been caught by it. Oh but yeah. Totally agree. Like put the resources behind promoting those amazing things. Those, those moments of engagement that you've, that you've created. I like that. And here's what I, I just, just, I finally figured out what I was trying to say with resource. I never been able to say it this well. Yeah. Most people organize their resources by the type of resource. Okay. I call this like channel marketing, but for content, right? These are your different types of content. Yep. I like what Workday is doing because they're doing product level resources. In other words, if you want our finance product, I'm sure now this is all their resources for the finance product. I don't think this is designed very well, but I think what you could do here is instead of see how it says founder resource center, uh-huh. I think you're better off organizing things by founder, investor, etc. Yeah, and then exactly. so you'd have a founder here. So watch, this is what I would do. I would look at this like this, and I would make it like how do I? They're gonna make this here. So I would go like founder resources, and I'd put all my founder resources here, and then I would have over here. Yep. Let's call it investor resources. And it's honestly, it's still, it sounds hilarious. They just need somebody to come in and organize it for them. 
It, it really, because they've got all these great resources. And I love that yeah. you bring this, that you bring this up. Literally last week at SIBO, I had this exact conversation with my team. And I said, look, it's time for us to reorganize our resource center, not around what types of things that we have. Nobody comes in and says, boy, I'd like to look at a bunch of white papers or scientific eBooks from SIBO Technologies. They come in thinking, I've got a problem to solve. And so really for the next quarter, we're going to lay out what I'm calling guided learning pathways in our, in our resource center to address specific problems for specific personas or, or target markets and say, look, here's the, the 101 level class all the way down to your PhD level, you know, resource and, and content. And we're going to chart out a, a pathway for you to go. You can click on anything in any order that you want, but we're going to curate this museum exhibit for you. And guess what? It's not all going to be content that we've created because we're not the only smart people on our topics. We're going to bring in content from other folks as well. So there's a great opportunity when you're talking about resources to drive engagement that helps solve the problem for your, you know, for your existing customers who you want to upsell and for your new, you know, for your new demand um, prospects who you want to solve, you want to solve a problem for them. I'm right there with you. And I don't think I do that well enough. Notice how I just make it the type of content. I'm doing the same mistake. This should once again, we all, have do. Columns. We all do this. We do. Because it's just, I like to, what I've found is every time I really come up with a good idea, it's because I stopped. Like there's no such thing as best, like, like there are things as best practices, but that doesn't mean they're best. And I think what we end up doing a lot of times is copy everybody else instead yeah. of challenging the outcome from why we initially designed it. And I think if they did do this right here with founder resources, investor resources, they would end up with a much more impactful way of organizing their content and then doing sales enablement and marketing enablement. Because you're, you're immediately you're directing, right? Immediately Carter would be directing their founders or their investors to content that they've curated. They become the, yep. the expert museum curator of that exhibit. And they can say, look, here are the most important things we put together for you. You're not yep. interested in the stuff over there, at least not at first. Look at this stuff. And now, right, as soon as somebody clicks on that, you've got a really good, you know, strong signal that this is an investor, it's not a founder. Right. And they already have it organized too, is the thing. So it's not like I'm, it's not even like they have to make anything. They just have to organize it a little. Exactly. Right. It's, it's that, it's that good problem for them to, for them to be able to solve. Now pricing, they don't actually talk price. What's your opinion on that? Cause I know on your website you have price. Um, I don't quite understand why not, because I don't feel like this is probably the most complicated pricing um, what, what's your take on that? Kind of why do you think organizations that could do pricing, at least from the appearances, right? I don't know how they price, but it seems like you could figure out a way to do it based on headcount or a lot of seats. I mean, there's multiple ways. Yeah. The size, size, you know, size of the cap table, whatever. Usually, you know, organization, I think this is a carryover just from the, you know, from the early 2000s where, you know, people were, you know, held everything close to the vest. We don't want to, you know, show what we're doing because a competitor might see it. We don't want to give a free trial because a competitor might see it. We don't want to give out pricing because a competitor might see it. And that is, that's really antiquated thinking these, these days. Um, so I am a much bigger fan of saying, you know, upfront and honest, here's what we charge. And yeah. guess what? If it's a, if it's a per seat, let's give you a per seat. And if, if you need an exception, 
if you need to create some custom pricing, okay, that's that's completely fine. You you make that you say that. Look, if you want custom, you know, custom pricing, custom arrangement, we can do that. Everything is a contract. But let's yeah. be transparent right up right up front, especially at the you know at the the um, the smaller tiers or the the lower ends, the kind of the entry level tiers. I mean, yeah. by God, you know, put your you know put your per month or your per seat fee out there. Everybody else is do it. Just set the expectation. I'm right there with you. I think like, in my opinion, like I don't do pricing as a professional services business, but our average order value is, you know, quite a bit over six figures. Uh -huh. So it's, a, it's more kind of like enterprise orgs in that sense, which I do understand. But when you have a product, especially at the startup level that can do product like growth, I think they could just be missing an ability to monetize their advertising by not like founders are price sensitive because they're pre-revenue a lot of oh, times when yep. they need this product. So I just feel like you could waste a lot of your you you might have to have a lot more SDRs. There's a lot there's a lot more of like weighted costs than people realize on when you scale. Like me, I we started scaling it directly. We started booking almost 30 intro calls a day. Okay. Well, all of a sudden now I need a full inbound SDR org to handle that. Yep. And a lot of what they do is ban, right? Budget authority, need and timing. Yep. But it starts with budget. Pricing helps decrease, you know, weighted cost at the sales level for sure. And it's, and it's a quick, you know, it's a quick qualifier, you know, in or out, um, yeah. you know, especially when you've got, you know, folks who might be, you know, overly price sensitive. It's like, okay, look, it it's okay if, you know, if you're too rich for their blood and, you know, the incremental amount of money that you might be leaving on the table by underpricing something is probably... Oh, no, I lost Mr. Billy. Let's see. I, I removed him. I added him back. Let's see if we got Billy. Oh, what's up, Jonathan? Dude, I can't see y'all when I'm sharing my screen. People don't download calculators. Ooh, that's a hot take. I like that. So people don't download calculators. That is such a hot take. I don't do anything with calculators, so I don't know if I have any data there. Yo, we have a listener tuned in. Billy, you're back. He said people don't download calculators. Is that true? What do you think? From a, um, I think people use calculators when they're available online, and and I think that's a a much better um, approach. You know, downloading a downloading a calculator, especially if it's you know in a in something like a spreadsheet, that's just a it's a really big cybersecurity concern. Um, you know, what what are you downloading? What are your active macros and things like that? So there's there's some hurdles to overcome there. Oh, I, I didn't think about that. try and make Good. it all on, online. I like that. Yeah. So like I I personally have seen calculators and assets like that download. I've found the reason I said you got to run the test is I found a lot of times. Uh, it's not as good of a sign of intent as maybe product usage. So if you have an inbound SDR call, they're not going to be like, oh, wow, thank goodness. I downloaded your calculator. I want, you know, your product now. So, but I do think um, assets like that definitely play a place in your ability to segment and advertise and build retargeting lists and do other things. But I, I think that's a good point that Jonathan pointed out there. Now, I'm sorry, Sibo. Billy has now become the CMO of Carta. And 
you need to provide three recommendations. So you've been there for 90 days, AKA 30 minutes, and you're going into the boardroom. What are the three big things you're going to do for Carta Billy to help elevate what they're already doing a pretty darn good job of, to be honest? Yeah, I mean, I, I really like what they're doing. I think number one, like we like we pointed out, is we're going to restructure the, the, the navigation and the site architecture of the website to be much more persona and question answer focused rather than um, here's all the things that we do, right? The, the show up and throw up method. The, the great, um, you know, the, the, the great part of that challenge is there's an abundance of content and there are, uh, you know, I think there's a really good understanding of who the, the target personas are. Let's actually curate that content. Let's reuse and remix it in a way that's going to create a much uh, smoother pathway for those um, for those users to come in and, and do that. So that's that's number one. Second, I think, is to really put some wood behind the arrow when it comes to those engagement um, activities, those calculators and the the things on the the website that can be experienced that are driving user interaction. Um, that might be that might be things like you know watching watching the video. It is absolutely those things like the the calculators and the and the trials. Um, but getting out of the hey we built it, let's hope that people use it. Let's actually yeah. go out and market those, and then capture the the usage scenarios just like you just like you talked about to yeah. build the the retargeting lists to build in the qualification and accelerate that runway to revenue or that runway at least to an MQL for the uh, you know for the sales development team to to follow up on. I love that um, Billy. The 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 third thing that I think that I think we do for for Carta is to really consider um you know do we need to include lawyers at our top level target. Um, you could think of this as, as also site architecture, but that's really more about organizing the content. This is really evaluating our target addressable market and our and our personas. I think hands down the the founders, um, you know, private company founders and, and owners is right in there. I think the investors is is in there and too. The the lawyers, it's probably a you know a, a, a user type, not necessarily a buyer type. And so if it's a user type, not necessarily a buyer type, maybe move them into the customer support um, area, maybe create a special uh, section for customer success or user success. Um, you know, maybe bring them into the onboarding process. If there's an automated onboarding process to say, look, hey, you're a founder, guess what? The primary user of this is gonna be you and your corporate legal team or your corporate lawyer, make sure that he or she is in the room with you. We've created a special onboarding track for them um, to, yeah. to be using this stuff. I think those are kind of the, the three things that I would be focusing on for the next probably three to six months um, yeah. here. And then measuring the crap out of all of this, because you're gonna be able to see immediate benefits from re-architecting the site and from putting some, uh, some monetary emphasis behind those engagement um, uh, uh, items, right? The, the calculators and the, and the videos and things that drive those, those moments of engagement, which are absolute, um, intent signals. And yeah. those are the things that lead to money. I like that, Billy. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go one. I'm going to change my call to action. I hate request a demo across millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of spend. I've never done something where I changed it and it underperformed. 
like what I think like the floor of a call to action is request a demo and anything you do beyond that usually performs better. And I'm going to think through my messaging in that moment, right? Cause I get all these people to this moment where I ask them for their information and then I don't, it, the next step is murky. And I, I, I call that psychological mm -hmm. friction. So I want to remove that and I want to get people to take the action I desire and I want to have less baggage. There's a lot of baggage with demos. It's like, look, yeah. bro, I can't get the price. Now I got to sit around. I got to go back and forth with an SDR to eventually get to an AE and finally do a product person. And then I can you just tell me how much it costs and let me click them around. So number one, I'm going to get a better call to action. Number two, okay. buy a better call to action. I'm going to try to pivot to product like growth. All their screenshots look sexy. The product UI looks amazing. The, the product is simple. The founders already have a spreadsheet or someone else's tool they downloaded. Giving them a software product to play around with is going to be impactful, especially since if it's SaaS companies, they're going to have a technological background. So they're going to be tech friendly. So you don't have to worry about like onboarding, like, you know, bank admin to your platform. It's like a tech savvy right. founder. Right. And then I think the last thing I'm going to do is I'm going to re-architect the entire site around the jobs to be done at the use case level. So like, what, why as a founder, do I need this product? Why as an investor, do I need this product? And I'm going to organize everything, whether you're a founder or an investor, instead of what they're doing right now, which is all features. And right. I think that's going to have a big impact, but whew, Billy, this has been amazing. Thank this you so much for your insights. This is a really, really cool. Uh, if anyone wants to follow along with you, uh, what's the best way for them to do that in your journey? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, follow me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I am, uh, prolific out there on LinkedIn. I, I write, I accept all incoming, um, uh, invitations. So just linkedin.com slash in slash Billy, right? I got yep. that, uh, that nice vanity URL very, very early on. Um, <laughs> or you can follow me on, on Twitter at, uh, at, at Billy Kripe. Awesome. So well, thank you. And then obviously check out SIBO if you're uh, looking at anything ag tech. So, Absolutely. SIBO is just a phenomenal uh, big tech company doing things at the innovation level, uh, cutting bleeding edge level of um, climate change, carbon markets and regenerative agriculture. So farming is not boring. It is incredibly sexy. I so love it, Billy. This has been amazing. And that right there, everybody, is another episode of SaaS Marketing Makeover. Thanks and uh, tune in next week. Bye, everybody.